for everybody in the church, only those who are interested. I'm sorry, I told you Genesis, we turn to Exodus chapter 4. It's not for just the faint of heart, but it is for those who are ready to go beyond where you are. You're ready to grow in God. Who wants to really grow in God? Man. That be talking. What's important tonight is the fact that you're growing. If you don't grow, what are you? You're not growing. You're you're right, brother. You're dying. You're not living. And we have to grow. So I'm going to read something, probably a familiar story to you. We'll read it and don't leave it. I don't do this a lot. We're going to read this, I'm going to read this text and I'm going to leave it and I'll come back to it. All right. Give me the liberty to do that tonight. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? He said, Rod. He said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Put forth his hand and he caught it. It became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, have appeared to thee. And the Lord said furthermore to him, Put now thine hand in thy bosom. He put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. He said, Put thine hand in thy bosom again. And he put his hand in his bosom again, plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. It came to pass, it shall come to pass that they believe thee not, neither hearken to the voice of their sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken to thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it on the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon dry land. For we pray, we we'll draw your attention back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, or Exodus chapter 2, 4, I'm sorry, back to verse 2 of our text here. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Lord, I'm asking you to touch somebody in this place, God. Touch every life, touch every heart. Open our spirits, our hearts. Challenge us, God. Help us, God, in your precious name. We give you praise and glory for what you're going to do in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. Church, say amen. Everyone say change. I am glad that we serve a God who does not change. 
We're living in a changing generation. Everybody look around you is changing. Not necessarily for the good. Many times for the bad. I see preachers that has inspired me and touched me in my life for the day to look at them and my goodness, um, they didn't preach truth no more. But I'm glad we serve a God that doesn't change. Somebody say God doesn't change. God doesn't change. It says in the book of Malachi 6, I don't remember what verse it is, he said, I'm the Lord, I change not. It says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. Look at your neighbor and say, God doesn't change. Aren't you glad that he don't change? What he promised uh, years ago, he's still able to do it today. What he done for Moses, he's able to do for us. What he done for Peter, he's able to do for us. What he done uh, to pick a Kansas when in, in the 1900 when the first revival Pentecost broke out across America, he can do it right here in Marion today. He doesn't change. He's the God of all gods. But when we think about it, in general, it's surely true that most people don't like change. Anybody would agree? Not everybody, not not everybody likes change. Now, some people, if you try to tell them, well, you need to change or this or that, they'll get upset. They may even get violent with you. And if you try to force some things on people, it can get ugly because people don't like change. Right? I heard one preacher, I think it's the late TFT, he just passed away. He said, if you ever take a new church and you will move the organ from one side to the other, you've got to move it one inch at a time. You can't move it all at one time. Because we got, we got people that just doesn't like change at all. Someone once said that the only people who do like change is wet babies. And even they aren't too excited about it. Right? Churches are famous about not wanting change. You know what I mean? You'll find a lot of board members and a lot of churches that, well, We've never done it that way before. Or, this is the way we've always done it. Right? Many church people resist even the slightest change in their routine. Amen. They can't handle it. Even when they're pretty sure that the change would make them better. They're still going to resist. But Donnie, I have a story for you, friend. Actually, the story is for everyone, but I know Brother Donnie is a Ford vehicle lover. So this is for you, Brother Donnie. And this is an honor of Brother Donnie. The story, there's a story about Henry Ford. I found it very interesting to go with what I want to talk about tonight. It seems that Mr. Ford had a man working for him as a production manager on the Model T. His name was William Cunston, uh, I guess is how you say his name. He became convinced that it was time to update the Model T. 
It had been in production for four years. But there was a problem. Mr. Ford would not even consider the ideal. Ford loved his creation just as it was and was opposed to any changes at all. While Mr. Ford was away on vacation in Europe, uh, Mr. Cutson decided to put together a car to demonstrate his ideals for change using a new design and new color. Ford returned from a European vacation and he went to Highland Park, Michigan garage and he saw the new design created by Mr. Cutson. On the scene, mechanics later revealed how Ford responded. They say that the car had four doors and the top was down, painted, gleaming red, and built on a new, low version of the Model T. One eyewitness tells that Ford had his hands in his pocket as he walked around the car three or four times. Finally, he got to the left-hand side of the car. He takes his hands out, gets a hold of the door, and bang, he rips it completely off the car. They said, how the man done it? They have no idea. He climbed inside the car, the front seat, and he begins to kick the other door, and he kicks it off. He kicks out the windshield, and he rips the top right off from it. He wrecked the car as much as he could. Cuts and left for General Motors. Henry Ford nursed along the Model T, but design changes in competitors' models made it more old-fashioned than he would admit. Competition made it necessary to change to make changes. He grudgingly produced the Model A, but his heart was never in it. Henry Ford was one of the most creative men of his age. We would agree with that, right? And yet, Henry Ford resisted the obvious need for change. Somebody say change. Have you ever heard somebody make this this statement? Perhaps you're that person. If I don't change my ways, I'm going to go to hell. We've heard that statement made Many, many times. Have we not? Perhaps you're the one who said that. Well, why do we even want to change? Especially when it's when it's for the best and it will take us to where God has, has planned for us. Why do we resist change in our life? I come to tell you tonight, I, I don't I don't hope to be too long tonight, but uh, something Bethany said is going to be very powerful at the end of when I get done with this. But I, I, I just, Brother Donnie, I, I want to see the church. I want to see individuals go beyond where we are right now. Amen. Yeah. And I'm not probably going to preach to everyone tonight. I hope so. I'm preaching to everyone. Maybe the proper way to say it is everybody won't hear what I'm saying. Everybody won't receive what I'm saying tonight. But if I can get one or two to receive what I'm saying, it's going to turn your world and this church upside down. I am interested in a change in my life, Brother Donnie. Not a change to go back the other way. Not a change to get worse. But I'm looking for a change in my life to get closer to God. Amen. Why, why does people not want to change? People are, are just 
notorious for not wanting change. We do it a certain way. We, we, we do it all the time. And, and why does people not want to change? I'll tell you why they're fear. We're afraid of change. You know why people didn't change with them? Because they tried it and it didn't work and they failed. You know why people don't change? Because the future can be kind of scary. Some people don't change because they don't see a need to change because they have all the answers and you can't tell them anything. But I come to talk to us tonight and tell us that they that the only way we can grow, is anybody interested in growing in God? Come on, talk to me. You want to get closer to God? You want to grow in your walk with God? The only way you can grow is there has to come a change in your life. Growth only happens with change. Growth only happens with change. I want to say it again. Growth only happens with change. That's what I'm talking about tonight. It's growth only happens with change. I hope you're not being real long with this tonight, but I want to be precise. I want to prick at your heart. I want to work at your spirit and your heart. I remember, Brother Donnie, the year was 1984. I just had a uh, motorcycle, three little motorcycle wreck. Many of you heard me talk about it so many times. Um, my brother hit me broadsided. I was on a three-wheeler, turned off in front of me. He was going about 80 miles an hour. He hit me broadsided, hit my ankle bone, ripped it six inches up my leg. Doctor didn't think I'd ever walk again, but God healed me. But I remember that summer so vividly, so, so uh, distinct because I spent part of the summer in a cast and I couldn't get out and do some things. It was also a time when, when God get me, got me away from a, a drug addict guy that I was hanging around with. And God, you know what? God loves you enough. He'll break your ankle and save you, right? Lucky enough to see my ankle broke to get me away from that guy who was on drugs because I was going with him every day doing drugs. So, so if something bad happens in your life, you just back up like, okay, God, what are you trying to do here? That's not what I'm preaching, but I remember I went through that summer and, and it was time for school, so we went back to we went back to uh, shoe shopping, school shopping, all that kind of stuff. I had to get a shoe that was two sizes bigger. Then what I had at the end of the school year. I'm talking three months now. My pants was longer. I remember walking into uh, the office the very first day of my sophomore year of high school. That was that summer after. And Brother Brother Clemens, I walked in. I remember this girl. Her name was Teresa Patterson. She was uh, uh, dating a good friend of mine, John, uh, uh, John Tao. And uh, she turned around, looked at me. She'd done this. She said, you grow." shoe sizes, six inches in three months. You're not just joking. I hurt. My ankles hurt. My, my knees hurt me so bad. My body ached. I ached all over. But Brother Tim, the reason I was aching and I was hurting is because I was growing. And when you're going to grow, there's going to come a change. And when you're going to grow in God, not only is going to be a change, but there's going to be some pain involved in your growth. Hallelujah. And the problem with some people is why you're not willing or we're not willing to go from where we are to where God 
wants us to be is we're not willing to change. We're not willing to go through the pain and the process to get to where God wants us to be. But I'm coming to tell somebody in this church tonight, God's been speaking to you. God's been pressing you to get up early in the morning and pray. God's been pressing for you to read your Bible and push away from some things that's distracting you from God. God's been pressing you to get away from some people, but you know it's going to hurt, and you know it's going to change your world, but God is interested in you growing and becoming what he wants you to be, and we've got to be willing, hallelujah, to, in order to grow, we've got to have change in our life. Amen. Come on, I, I know I'm probably just preaching to a few tonight because everybody don't want to hear this. A lot of, you know, the problem with our generation is, and Bethany said it a while ago, they're entitled. They're, oh, okay, I know what, everything's going to come to me easy. It's a microwave generation. Let's just throw it in there and I can get it quick and we can just get it over with. I know we're living in that generation like that I deserve all this and I don't have to work and I can do I know we're living in that generation. But I'm going to tell you what, the best things that ever happens to anybody, it comes, hallelujah, when you grow in your relationship with God or in life period, it's going to take hard work, it's going to take pain, it's going to take a change in your life, it's going to take you changing some things in your world for you to ever grow and become what God wants you to be. Come on, church. We don't always want to stay at 40 on Sunday and 25 on a, on a night service. Do we want to be the church that's known for the rundown buses and the roof that's sagging and the walls is about to come out? Come on, that's never going to change in our world if us as individuals don't grow up in God and allow some pain and some change in our life. Do you always want to be the one who's getting prayer? Or do you want to be the one that's laying hands on somebody and praying for them and speaking destiny in your life? We don't always be stuck in the Model T. Goodness, we want to go buy a Chevy someday. Sorry about that. I do that. Come on, we don't always be stuck in the take mode. I talked about it last Thursday night. We don't always want to be that, that woman with the issue of blood that's trying to touch Jesus. But hey, come on. Some of us need to realize we want to step in the place of Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to step in that place of him. Hallelujah. Where he said, greater work shall you do. You know what he was saying? You're going to do greater works than I'm doing. You're going to be the one that's touching people and healing them. And don't always be the one that's trying to touch Jesus. And the only way that's ever going to happen, church, is we're going to have to be willing to change some things in our world. You'll never grow in God if you're not willing to have some change in your life. It's time for us corporately and as individuals to go beyond our excuses and our circumstances that stands in the way. I want to say that one more time. And I'm giving you to hear it. Hallelujah. It's time for us to go beyond our excuses and our circumstances that we say that's standing in our way. We're not what's standing in the way. You're what's standing in the way for you to become what God wants you to be. I want to be more than what I am right now. I want to know God more than I know Him right now. I want to possess the power of God that He said we can possess. I want to put tiptoeing around, hallelujah, and 
next will be and let God take control of my life. Is anybody interested in change in the world? Well, maybe I should ask this one. Anybody interested in growing in God? If you are, there's going to come some pain. There's going to come some change. There's going to come some growth pain in your life. You're not going to grow without some pain and change in your world. Brings me back to my text. I told you I'd leave it for a few minutes and you might think it has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. We all know the story of Moses. If you don't, let me just tell you about it. Moses' mother and father seen that he was born. He was a goodly child. The word goodly said it means he's handsome. But what mother don't think her kid's handsome? My goodness, I see some of this baby's going, he's so cute. No, exactly. But to that mama, he's beautiful. That daddy, he's beautiful. That's their baby boy. But Moses, they looked at him they seen something different in Moses and they built an ark of bulrushes and put him, put him in the, the Nile River because there had been a decree said let's kill all the young boys, all the kids that's born. They stuck him in the river. Pharaoh's a daughter found him, draws him out of the river. Let me just paraphrase the, the story they get there. But in the process of time, Miriam, his sister, was following along and said, hey, uh, comes up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, hey, won't you let me take the child to an Egyptian woman to nurse him to bring him back? And lo and behold, he takes him back to his own mother. And she nurses the child. No doubt, Brother Don, she speaks to him and says, Moses, you're going to be a deliverer for our, our uh, um, nation someday. You're going to be the one that's going to help deliver us out of this. And we kind of know the story. Let me just go along. And Moses, one day, he finds himself grown up and he sees an Egyptian mistreating one of his Jewish brothers. Moses trying to step in. No doubt he had all this stuff in his mind, Brother Cliff, and he and he knew that God had probably had called him a deliverer. I personally believe that God, he knew in himself that God had called him a deliverer. God had called him for a purpose. God had called him for a design. And Moses trying to, to push it and do things beyond God's time. You know, timing is so important with God. It's so important. Let me say that right now. Timing is time. We don't have we don't have fifty years for somebody to grow up because Jesus is coming back soon. We got to grow up now. Yeah. You know why? You know why my knees hurt so bad? Because I grow so fast. Some people just grow kind of steady. I grow I grow nearly six inches in three months. That's why I hurt so bad. You know why it's going to be? It's going to take some pain and some change in some of our lives because we don't got time to wait forever to grow up. We've got to grow up now and get ready. We got to be what Bethany was talking about. There's a people out there that's lost and they need Jesus and they need you to grow beyond always needing something to the point that you can give them something. Amen. So when we find Moses and Moses now all of a sudden he looks out there and and he he, he hadn't been. Through all his schooling, and he, he's trying to push the issue, whatever the case, and he sees Egyptian, and he, and he kills him, bears him in the sand. Next day, he sees two, two uh, uh, the Hebrew children fighting against each other, and, and all of a sudden, he just comes up and trying to trying to calm them down, quiet them. So, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian issue? Moses gets scared. This day, he is forty years old, and he runs. He runs to the other side of the mountain. For the next forty years, we find Moses, and Moses is. The back side of the mountain taking care of sheep. But Moses is living beneath what God called him to be. At the bright age of 80 years old, Brother Donnie, 
Don't you stand here and tell me tonight you're too old to do anything for God because I don't believe that. You're not too young and you're not too old. There's some Davids in here that's 17 years old. There's some lads that don't even have an age, hallelujah, that can bring some fishes and loaves to Jesus. There's some Moses in here that may feel like their day's gone past. But let me tell you what, God wants to use everybody. You've got to be willing, praise God. And all of a sudden, he's walking along, Brother Donnie, and just he happens to see a bush and it's burning. Now, that's not an unusual thing in the desert, from my understanding. From my understanding, in the desert, bushes burn all the time. But something different about this bush, Sister Chashin, she he looked at that bush and he noticed that it was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. There's something different about that bush. I gotta go check that out. And Sister Tanny, when he seen he seen something being burned but not being consumed, he said, I'm gonna go check that out. Let me tell you what this world will do. It'll burn you and consume you, but God will never burn you and consume you. But we got to learn to figure out the things that don't change us for the positive things that change us for the worse. You try to you try to mess with some things out in this world right now, and they're going to burn you. You know what? And they'll consume you too if you're not careful. But if you'll find and you'll put your eyes on the right thing, and you'll notice something that's burning like the house of God, and you'll go towards you, and it's not going to consume you. You get hooked up with drinking, it'll consume you. Drugs will consume you. There's some people that will consume you out there, and you know what? You've got to get a hold of God. And Moses walks over there and he checks this bush out and all of a sudden God speaks to Moses. Take this here, thing. Take your shoes off. You don't hold the ground, man. Moses, probably no doubt, he probably had heard that voice before, but it's been a while. He takes his shoes off and the Lord begins to tell him, Moses, this is what you're going to do. You're going to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. You're going to be this and that. All that stuff that he probably already felt in his spirit years ago, no doubt. I have to believe that, Brother Donnie, because he was trying to do it when he was at 40 years old. But now he found himself 80, thinking it's all more stuff than that. And God begins to speak to him. And Moses, he does like many of us do. He's resisting change. You see, Moses had then got comfortable on the backside of the mountain. He done had him a he done had him a, a, a pretty wife and two kids, and, and now then Lord, don't mess with my world because I'm in a place right now. You just leave me alone. I'm comfortable, and I don't want to change nothing. Come on, we're, we have a we have a church full of people that says I'm just right here where I am. I'm gonna stay in my dilemma, and I'm gonna change. And he begins to make excuses, and I come tonight to tell somebody this: God wants to change somebody in this church. He wants you to grow. And the only way you're going to grow is you've got to be willing to change. Amen. But here's the problem with so many of us. We say, I want to grow. But then we back up and we say, well, I don't know how to grow. And we're looking for the next, next new book that comes out. The next preaching tape to come out to inspire us and get us to where we need to be. Right? Yeah. Come on. Now, I, nobody loves listening to preaching no more than I do. I love preaching. And lately, the Lord's given me a new hunger. I've been reading like crazy. I've been shoving a lot of things and trying because I, I, I want to grow. I want to get deeper with God. But something I've learned, especially over, over the last little while, something I want to preach to us here tonight. You know what? We want to look for the next sermon that's going to inspire us. Inspire us. We want to read the next book that's going to challenge us. We want to get the next program that's going to take our church to the next level where it needs to be. But I want you to notice what happens in our text today. Moses making his excuses. I can't do it. And the Lord said, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod. Do you understand that this rod that Moses had 
we read this story and just casually toss it off. Do you realize that this rod that he has goes with him all the way through his ministry? That rod is what he hit that rock with that day and made water come out of it. That rod is what he held up in the air and made the when the water begin to part in the Red Sea. That rod went with him the entire way of his ministry. Do you know that for you to become what God's called you to be in your hand is everything you need? And brother, no, we've got to be willing to embrace what's already in our hand. It's not the next fad. It's not the next program. It's none of that stuff. And then you catch what God told him. He said, okay, Moses, yeah, it's a rod. And it's in your hand. It's yours, but are you willing to throw it down? See, you get the revelation of what you need is already in your hand. You know what God says? Now throw it down. Now hell. Not only did he throw it down, but when he threw down what he already had in his hand, what happened to it? It turned into a snake. And the Bible says he began to flee from the very thing that was in his hand. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Somebody's going to get a revelation tonight. God's going to change your world. The very thing that you need for you to become everything that God's got, you're resisting change. The very thing that you need to grow in God's already in your hand. But you need to grow be willing to throw it down at the feet of God and say, here it is. And when you do, it may look like it's going to turn into a disaster. Wow. Amen. And then, you know what God says to him? Now pick it back up. Reach down in the middle of your disaster and pick it back up. See, the problem with us is we're afraid to give it to him. We're afraid of what we have. It's all we have left. And I can't give it up. But God says, come on, what's in your hand? Are you willing to give it to me? It may look like it's going to turn into a disaster. But when it does, you rest assured, I'm going to get my stick to you again and give you grace to pick that thing back up again. And when you take what I bet you take what I put in your hand and you go show the people. Oh, Paul Moses, stick your hand in your bosom and he sticks it in there. And again, he pulls it out. And there, this time, it's not on the ground, but it's on his hand. It looks like it's invaded his world. Man. And Brother David, it's leprosy. God said, put it back in there and pull it out. You know what he's doing? He's trying to say, Moses, it doesn't matter what's in your hand or what I put on the ground. I'm able to take care of it all. But you've got to learn to trust me. The reason we're not willing to change is because we're not willing to let this put our hands into God and say, God, I trust you with whatever you have for me to do. See, we're, we're coming to the church and we're saying, let's expect great things. Let's expect great things. But you can never have expectation if you're not willing to accept the change that comes with it. I just got just a little bit more and I will be done. Just a few more minutes tonight. I thought you wouldn't be real long. A woman can never birth a child unless her body goes through a drastic change. And pain. Right? You know what? I think we can use that in the spiritual aspect. We can never have birth in the church. Until we're willing to realize it's going to change the body. 
and there's going to be some pain with it. Hear me today. I, I come just for a very short thing here. I got a few more things. We'll be done. God wants to, God wants somebody to grow in this church. And you've been looking for everything in this world to try to figure out how to get you to grow. But I'm telling you what's God, when he fills you with the Holy Ghost, he'd give you everything you need in your life to, to uh, help you become what you need to be. But the problem is that we're not willing to go through the change. Jeremiah 29, 10 says, For thus said the Lord, that after 70 years of being compassed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall they call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with your whole heart. God knows what he has plans for you. Every one of us in this place his name is Christopher, Christopher Paul Gardner. He's an American businessman, investor, stockbroker, motivational speaker, and an author. During the early 1980s, he struggled with homelessness while raising his toddler son, Christopher Gardner Jr. Gardner's book, Myth of the Memoirs, The Pursuit of Happiness, was published in May 2006. Later became into the motion picture, The Pursuit of Happiness. You've seen that. Starring Will Smith. He said part of what got him from homelessness to being worth $48 million today is what he calls the C's complex. What is the C's complex? It, he answers with another question. What is your plan? He said you need to be clear, concise, compelling, committed, and consistent to achieve any sort of success. He goes on to say, when you're trying to do something that you're truly passionate about, there is no plan B. Plan B sucks. I'm quoting, okay? I'm looking at a group of people here tonight that God has called you for such a time as this. We've been on the back side of the mountain too long, church. We've been living life less than what God has called us for. It's time that we take what's in our heart. It's time we take what's in our hands that God has given us. And it's time for us to put a plan in action for us to grow. There's a city that needs Jesus. You've got loved ones that need Jesus. There's many things that need to be accomplished. And we need a plan individually and corporately as a church that starts with a very uh, uh, clear direction. Amen? Amen? It needs to be a very concise or summarized uh, is the better word for it of how we're going to do it. And then we need to be clear. Be compelling. Somebody say compelling. compelling. What's compelling? That's that driving force. Committed. To stay consistent. The only way you're ever going to grow, kids, you need to find a seat. Find a seat, guys. I'm, on, I'm done. Beth, you're going to come. 
There's just a couple things I've done. Listen to me. Bethany said what she did today. Let me read you something from the book of Matthew. Matthew 26 and 39. Speaking of Jesus. And he went a little farther. She might say he went a little farther. You know what the people in this place today need to do? It's time for us to go a little farther. And he fell on his face. And he prays, saying, Oh, my Father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Jesus had a clear, concise plan that compelled him to be committed to it. And he stayed consistent all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. Don't you think about it for a second. Bethany talked about it pretty good tonight about Jesus. He knew that what was going on needed to change. He knew his people needed to grow, Sister Penny. But he knew there would be no growth without pain and change. That's why he went farther. That's why he prayed, let this cup pass from me. He said, but not as I will, Lord, but as you will. The scripture says in Hebrews 11 and 2, looking into Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He did what? Endured the cross. He endured the cross. When you endure something, you know what that means? There's some pain involved. There's some change involved. God wants us to grow. But you're never, some are not willing to grow because you're not willing to face the pain of the past. You can't get beyond the past. And you don't want to deal with that pain so you can never go to the future. Some want to grow, but you're afraid of the future. You're afraid of what you're going to have to give up. You're afraid of the time you're going to spend in prayer. You're afraid of the friends you're going to have to get rid of. You're afraid of the addictions you're going to have to get rid of. You're afraid of all that stuff. You're afraid of being lonely. Well, White's got a book. One chapter is in it. He says, Embrace your loneliness. Imagine if you were lonely and Jesus on that cross. But for the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the change of the cross for the joy that was set before him. Habakkuk 3 and 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God. Of my salvation. Stand across his place. You know what makes change worth it? Joy. You know what the pains of that mama having that baby makes it worth it? I see it with my wife. When they laid their babies on her chest and that pain and that hurt and that agony, all of a sudden it went away and there's a brightness that blown up on her face. Oh, my baby. There's a joy coming. Brother Texas, getting up at 15 to 5 is not easy. 
But one of these days when you're standing behind a pulpit and you're preaching and anointing falling down on you and the gifts of God are falling on you, that is going to be worth every pain, every heartache, every sleepless night, every day you walk through as you was tired. Come on, those of you fighting things out there. It takes some things to pull away from other people. It pulls away from addiction. But it's going to be worth everything that you go through for the growth you're going to get out of it, for the pain you're going to have to endure. Think about Jesus the next time you're going through it. For the joy that was set before him, he suffered and died so that you and I can be saved. Come on, there's joy waiting for you. There's joy in salvation. The weak got to be willing to grow and embrace the change. I have one last quote from Chris Garner. And I'm done. He said this, the secret to success, find something you love to do so much you can't wait for the sun to rise to do it all over again. Come on, find something. You know what that needs to be? What well, Becky was talking about Jesus. It needs to be embracing him and loving him. It's going to take some pain. It's going to take some ridicule. It's going to take some heartache. It's going to take some sleepless night. It's going to take pushing things away. But it's going to be worth it. There's no change. There's no growth without change. Somebody look inside of you. Let me say this. Where does it start? I've been listening to a book by Chris Gardner. It starts right where you are. Right where you are. With what you have. It doesn't matter what somebody else has got or somebody else don't got. It doesn't matter what you don't got. All that matters is what you have. Start with right where you are. And begin that to give that to Jesus. And then go through the process. And we're going to